Welcome, everyone, to the Jake Dunlap Show. This is your weekly dose of real success stories from entrepreneurs, athletes, celebrities, CEOs, and the people that you love. If you've ever wondered what makes people tick, what are the weird things that happened to them in their past that helped to shape the people that they've became? Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Eastern, you can tune in and get exactly that. The behind behind the scenes, not the typical behind the scenes, but the real stories that shaped some of the people that you know, love, and follow. What's going on, everyone? Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Today's conversation is going to be a very, very fun one. I am excited about this for a lot of different reasons. You know, it's just a real, very interesting thing of what sales has transitioned to and morphed into, et cetera. And, and you know, we're always looking for like the next hack or better way to do things. And it's kind of funny how many times to find what we should do, we kind of go to the past and we're like, okay, well, that kind of worked or, or we did this new thing and then we ruined it, which happens a lot as well, too. So, you know, it happens. And now I think we've kind of come to this like kind of world of like what's best for my business, which I think at the end of the day is what everyone should be asking themselves. So today I've got Mr. Jamie Shanks from Pipeline Signals. He's also a, a social selling guru and has like eight other businesses. I know he's got one. I saw he's doing I saw I hopped in, Jamie's doing a LinkedIn live. So I got the ocean, the can you know, the cold Canadian ocean behind him and just was like talking about his other businesses as well. But Jamie, why don't you talk a little bit about like what you're up to now and let's maybe a little bit about your thoughts around this topic today is full cycle AEs. And we're seeing this with our client base as well too. For many companies, it's never, you know, especially outside of tech. Outside of tech's like, Jake, what do you mean full cycle AEs? Like that's what we've always had, right? Tech is very much like it's little specialized bubble. But tell us a little bit about yourself and also, you know, what you're up to and, and, you know, kind of your, you know, I guess, give me a big picture on, the history and and you know how you've seen it as well too. Yeah, when I um, so I became the CEO and really dove into social selling and helped pioneer the category in 2012. Well, in 2010 and 11, I started a sales consultancy that was a jack of all trades, expert of nothing, which was in the local Toronto market, helping business owners with their prospecting needs. Right, and at that time. I didn't, all I knew was that I was great at opening doors. I wasn't a great coach or a consultant at that time yet. And I remember cold calling Trish Bertuzzi. Okay. She had no idea who I was. And I was picking her brain about this emergence of, I constantly saw this emergence of SDRs and BDRs. Now, Toronto and Canada and the sales culture was always woefully behind at that time. Yeah. And it was still very much full cycle AEs, meaning a sales professional was given whatever it might be, a portfolio, and your responsibility was to identify an opportunity, close and win the deal, and typically account manage that deal. That was very classic in the early 2000s, leading into, say, 2010. Totally. And then... There was a book, something to inevitable. I mean, what's the name of it? It's kind of like the forefathering of it's from Salesforce, the forefathering idea of the SDR and BDR. And it was a very simple concept. I'm trying, trying to remember predictable revenue. What's it called? Pre- it wasn't predictable revenue. Predictable revenue. There yeah, there you go. yeah, predictable revenue. And in the concept of predictable revenue, it was labor arbitrage. And it was that an AE might cost you an account executive, an account manager, all the same word, are being paid six figures, but exactly. you can pay somebody who's only three years old 
40 grand a year. Now, they yep. more San Francisco cost a gazillion dollars, and even Austin, Texas, and, and the labor market in Toronto. So 10, 15 years ago. So all of a sudden, you have $40,000 a year people opening the doors, passing the opportunity to 150,000, close the deals. That labor arbitrage made sense. And over the years, the account executive, the account manager, rested on their hands and started to track the lack of prospecting. And they focused in on, and all the sales methodologies were kind of following and focusing on, well, I'm going to teach you medic qualification. I'm going to teach you Chris Voss's uh, negotiation of why and how-based questions. I'm going to focus in on closing tactics. And so you have a generation of account executives that lose the art of prospecting. Well, now what's happened is as the economy, it was free money for 15 years. Now the economy shrinks. And now the average CFO looks at it and says, hold on a second. I have $150,000 AE right over there who is not filled. They're they're self, they need to self source because their quota, the tailwind that's coming from behind them, leads coming from the BDR and SDR, leads coming from marketing or the channel. It's not enough sustenance to fuel that AE. So the AE needs to close the quota gap, so to speak, and then be able to do this themselves. Well, when the mathematics comes back, when we look at our customers, that average AE might have 70% of their quota. They need to self source themselves they're only getting 30% from the tailwind. But the problem is that the AE has no idea how to close that gap. So I'm going to pause for a second. I'll, I'll kind of go back. You asked me a fundamental question, who I am. 10 years ago, I was in a fortunate position to see around a corner. I helped pioneer the topic of social selling, wrote a couple books on the topic, and scaled a company called Sales for Life to 600 global customers. Along that journey, we created a done-for-you tech-enabled service called Pipeline Signals, which mines signals on behalf of sellers. It was a sales play looking for customers on the move and job changes. But the core competency of what we focus in on is helping that self-sourcing account executive reinvigorate the skills of prospecting. So I uh, wanted to give a little bit of backstory. So floor is yours. But that, that's the problem as I see it. The situation is you have more than ever the account executive needing to cover the quota gap that's emerging, but they have no idea how to do it. Full cycle AEs. I'll give my hot take on this too. I grew up probably, Jamie, just like you, I was a full cycle AE, right? So I had to prospect 100% of my own pipeline and I had to manage my own accounts. Right. This isn't like one of those, like I walked to school with no shoes in the snow, you know, type of stories. It just is what it was. Like sales was, it was about the relationship. It was like, okay, this is like you said, Jamie, this is your territory. Your territory is this. Okay. And your job is to grow the territory. And I think what happened, what, you know, it's interesting. You hear leaders get on reps about having an ownership mindset. But you own so little of it, you know, whenever and I think about the teams that I managed to and built early on, they were also that and then we, we, you know, we started to introduce the SDR at Glassdoor and other orgs. But there was something there about the ownership piece of it, you know, where when you're a full cycle AE, you're like, okay, it, it kind of also forces you to play the longer game a little bit. You know, especially if you've got to maintain your current accounts or grow those relationships, you know, you're, you're going incentivizing to incentivize people, people post sale. Yeah. Exactly. So it incentivizes you to not sell bad deals, right, as a part of it. 
you kind of cared more about getting the meeting too. You're like, I, I only have a finite number of companies in my territory. So I have to get a meeting with these companies, right? Like there was just a more of a, and desperation is the wrong word. It was more of like a ownership of like, I have to do this. Like there's no other option. Like there's nobody doing it for me. And so I think again, what's ha- what, what I saw happen, Jamie, is like the SDR role, as it was invented, let's say, I mean, there's been versions of it for many, many, many you know, decades, but let's call it the Salesforce version, which is what was copied in Predictable Revenue and other places. That role was responsible for having the first conversation. They were doing a ton of cold calls, a ton of calls. This is 10 years before sales engagement was even a thing. The SDR role was a very skilled role. It was a very skilled role. This person had to be able to have a conversation. We were training people on like how to have a conversation, how to interact with people, etc. And what I think happened in this is the mid 2010s to really let's call it 2019, 2020 when email started to get saturated. Email only sequences were working. In like 2015, 2016, if you did a really good relevant persona based sequence that was primarily email, you could get 8 to 10 meetings a month. And we stopped training on all those skills that were what the SDR job was meant to be. The SDR role was meant to be a feeder ground for sales. If all it now is is a copywriting job, then the DNA is completely different than what it was, you know, rewind however many, you know, years ago. And so for me, teams need to realize if you want the SDR role to work, it cannot be what it looks like in its current form which is sending a bunch of templates with no creativity because AI is really good at that. I mean, that's, there's no doubt, you know, there's no doubt about that. But that's kind of the history lesson I've seen, Jamie. It's like, we, it worked and then we didn't, it was so easy that we didn't realize like, okay, we've, we've ruined that channel now. We've got to go back and still train these other skills and still do these other things or we're not going to be able to hit our number. And instead, we're like, well, we got to get rid of the SDR role. And, and in my opinion, it's we have to get rid of what the SDR role turned into, which was send a bunch of emails, more, 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 more is better than more quality. And we've got to go back. You know, if you're going to have it, you have to go back to that mindset. If you were to look you know, at Pipeline Signal's customer base, I cannot think of a single customer in the last 12 months. Led, and this is where my founder-led mind as a founder, you are the CFO and you are the CEO at the same time, right? It's your money. So you look at things from a lens of a return on investment that is, you must show me ROI every month, every quarter, we can't do it. Whereas in larger, our customers, which are many times mid-market and enterprise companies, you know, they're allowed to drift with graft all the time, like just having bad spending habits, never using zero-based budgeting at all. And if you look at this, I can't think of a single customer that didn't demolish their SDR team once the CFO got their grips on the numbers. Because what you just said is, to your point, so I have only, as a person pre-being an entrepreneur, I had only ever been a full-cycle AE. I never had a tailwind behind me. I never had an SDR. That didn't exist. By the time I became an entrepreneur, entrepreneur in 2010, I actually had to learn about the SDR role through Church Fertuzzi on the job because I didn't even know what that was. But at that time, you had a literally somebody that lived in like Waltham, Massachusetts being paid $35,000 a year. 
And the only tools they had was a phone, email. Maybe they had like Leadlander with Salesforce. Like they had the most rudimentary tools. What about tool. like Jigsaw? Does anybody remember? Jigsaw? Yeah. They made cold calls. They were making calls all day long. And then they were placing strategic emails because there wasn't a machine to do it. They were watching people land on the website, maybe with Leadlander. That was your tool set. So the like the desk fees, if you took base salary, OTE, desk fees, yeah. your ability to get a cap to LTV, pay, your payback period could be measured in months. Now all of a sudden, years and years go by. And now the SDRs are living in San Francisco, in Portland, in Seattle, and they're being paid 60, 70, 80 grand a year. But now you've strapped on sales loft and then 1500 bucks a month. They get so many tools. There was one customer. I remember the head of sales enablement pulled me into the office. She's like, I need you to help me rationalize these tools. They literally had like two or three of everything. But the average seller, and I'm not exaggerating, there was something like 21 to 23 tools touching the average seller. When we did the math, it was doubling. It was their salary was another doubling with tools. Right. So again, cost customer acquisition spiraled out of control. So I think if you are a team where your SDRs and BDRs are digital selling only, meaning they are prospecting via LinkedIn and via email, you know, listen, I'm a guy who also owns an offering agency, so I have a different mindset. There is, you have a completely misaligned return on investment now with your SDRs and BDRs because to your point, it's a copywriting job. You literally could have anyone from anywhere in the world yeah. click the drinking bird button on your sales loft or on your outreach or groove. Anyone could do that. So that's that's where I think this that role has been destroyed. Thus, the account executive who owns the territory, the verticals, the named accounts, they have to be way more strategic because their time management is much more critical. They have to be very selective about who they go after because they only have time to engage five or 10 people a day because they're doing all the other things. So. Well, there's a lot in there. I think too, it's like the SDR role has to be a high EQ role or to your point, you know, overseas or other places or email marketing candidly will replace them. And the level of the increase in quality of of generative AI that we've seen over the last nine to 12 months should just be a, you know, a pretty big wake up call. If you're an SDR listening to this, you know, just go Google, just go to ChatGPT, make sure it's web enabled, you know, using the paid version and just type in very specific, like, here's the product I sell. Here's the company I'm trying to set a meeting with. And you can just put links in, copy and paste in the LinkedIn profile or download it as a PDF and upload it and say, write a quick email for this person. That's six sentences is very direct and can help me to book a meeting. And then you're going to go, holy shit. And it'll be this well-structured, thought-out framework. Better yeah. than, you can't tell ChatGPT to be meaner, by the way. Just, you know, I did ask it to like be more direct. Or first I said, be meaner. Because it's like, dear so-and-so. Like, it can be a little like oddly nice. That's like, you know... Yeah. Not like Canadian nice, which is a whole other, you know, yeah. a well, whole other is, level. What are you seeing in your customer? Okay, so in your customer base, I, I was talking to Steve Richard and John Barrow's book, and both of them were saying, yeah, man, I am absolutely seeing a reversion back to the AE. Now, it, a little bit Every, of... Everyone, Jimmy, all of yeah. our clients. Here's the thing. The successful companies always had the AEs at least at like 20% of their own pipeline. 
So just to be like, you're just learning so much more. And especially at like the upper mid market or enterprise level, the best of the best companies have always kept their AEs at call it 20% where they're, you know, responsible. Salesforce, yeah, I mean, again, Salesforce invented this model, y'all, but understand Salesforce has always had their AEs have their own source pipeline. So I don't know when we thought that there was a world that could be 100%. It never existed. And I think that's probably part of it too, Jamie, is like, the best of the best companies have always been doing this. They've always had AEs doing it. And then every company goes through, I call it like this, this wave, which is like, we need more leads. So, so then the qualification criteria is completely relaxed. We get a whole bunch of leads, AEs complain, and then we go too far, you know, and, and then there's no leads because nothing's qualified. And then we kind of find this happy medium. But if your AEs aren't responsible for part of their pipeline, I've never seen it work really well. Because they don't have an appreciation going. for the SDR work. They don't. They, they think that everything should just be handed to them like perfect. And it's like, dude, the job... And I, I'll say this to any AE listening who's like, well, I'm too whatever for this. Like, The job is called sales. The job is not called information giving. If mm-hmm. I hand you a lead of a person who wants to meet with you at a company that we know is the right fit, you, you have to go and find the right person too. Like, You can't just sit there and be like, oh, well, it was this. Like, what? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you got a meeting. Now your job is to get the meeting with the right person. And so I also think that there's just a... I think sales leaders have gone beyond... And I'm not going to say soft in terms of like, you know, you should be meaner or whatever. But accountability, skill building. Sales leaders think their job is to just read a report and say, Oh, hey, Jake, do better at this or whatever it is. Versus hold people accountable, manage to the metrics, you know, have transparency. I do feel like there's been a massive decline in the quality of sales leadership. And that's not even sales leaders' faults. They're not even getting training, right? That's a whole other issue that we could unpack in two minutes. But I do feel like, look, if you are an organization considering a full cycle AE, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I would urge anybody thinking about trying to build an SDR-only lead gen to give up all hope and to always have AEs responsible, even if you do want to ramp your SDR role. And that the SDR role to be successful cannot just be hit send all on emails. If it is hit send all on emails, it will not work. Yeah, we've seen it. We've tried. I wish I look. If if, if it worked, I would tell you. Are you kidding me? I would just be like, hey, just send all emails. It works. But well, it's not. Coming back to something you said that's really important. And you know, at the end, once this is posted, I can. I have a free resource people can use. We have a quota waterfall. So you essentially you take your quota and reverse engineers it. Down to, because that's, you can't control the quota, but you try to get it down to control numbers, the actions and activities that sellers can do themselves. But along the journey of the waterfall, it allows you to input your tailwind. So the SDR's inputs of lead flow, and it helps calculate the quota gap that the average AE needs to do. And of all the customers that we give this to, I'm yet to see a Pareto's law, meaning that the SDRs or the tailwinds of marketing, channel partners, SDRs, providing 80% of the leads, and the AE only needed to do that last 20. That's why I agree with you, Jake. I think in a best-in-class company, that would exist. But what I'm seeing in the reports back, 50-50, 70-30, we've had com- customers be like, yeah, we spend a gajillion dollars in paid media and all this stuff for marketing, and my AEs haven't seen a lead in three months. So call that 99% that the AE needs to do themselves. So it, there's a lot more 
headwind being placed on the AE that I think the average sales leader truly understands. So subjectively, they might feel it, but they haven't done the waterfall of math to recognize, oh my God, I'm like these AEs are forced to do it all because they're not getting anything from behind. Which is fine. Like, look, as long as they're compensated appropriately, you know, like that's part of this, right? Is like, okay, it is what it is. Don't go work at that company then. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like my friends, if you're in sales, do whatever you want. Like, you don't have to do this. I am telling you, the skill of learning how to speak at an executive enough level to where an executive wants to meet with you to then have a productive enough industry trend-based conversation where they want to continue to meet with you is a skill set that will never go out of style. And so for many of you out there, like you got to change your mindset, your skill building, right? You're building skills like this ability to open doors, man, this is going to help you your entire life. So yeah, if you're, if you're figuring it out for 6 to 12 months to get good at it, this is something you will always be good at. So Jamie, final thought for me. My final thought would be for the average chief revenue officer or sales leader to turn what is thought to be subjective into an objective measurement and start to figure out if, in fact, I do need to get more from my AEs, what is that? I would do, my humble opinion is to do an audit, use a, use a waterfall calculator if you need it, but figure out like, what amount of lead flow will the average AE need to do? You can do this for going into 2024 mm. because it sets the proper expectation. If an a- if if you don't set that foundation up front, then the AE will prospect, but without a destination in mind. And yeah. then you'll just end up in the same position. You actually need to figure out the destination and all the mile markers and milestones to get there. And then you've plotted a plan. Yep. Yeah. And again, and I think the numbers are the numbers. So you can just say, okay, this is, you know, we can increase our sales price. We can, there's, there's other things that we can figure out there. So Jamie, appreciate you, brother. Thank you everyone on Jamie's channel only today. We did an exclusive on Jamie's. So if you all are watching this later, go check out Jamie and what he's up to as well. So Jamie, appreciate you, man. Thank you everyone for joining Jamie, Jamie's fans. Great to connect and meet all of you. And we will see you all on the next one. Thank you, everyone, again for listening to another episode. If you are listening all the way to the end, I hope you have left a review. I hope that you make sure that you're following or subscribing on your favorite podcast listening apparatus. We'll be back next Thursday. And again, make sure to check out the Monday episodes as well, too. A lot of people are really enjoying these kind of mini episode Mondays. So make sure to tune in, subscribe, and leave a review. 